Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Four Pest Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusak, and this week we've got a special three-person episode, a podcast unlike any other, with Steve DiMeglio and Adam Shupak, both from GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports, and obviously it's Masters Week, and this is one of the most fun weeks that we get for golfers every year, and Steve, Adam, and I take it deep on our favorite traditions, our favorite holes at Augusta National, favorite things we like to eat. Eating is a big part of Augusta National experience in the Masters, so we Chocolate milk and pimento cheese. Um, not necessarily on my menu, but it sounds like Steve DiMeglio is all in on that. We uh, we tackle the pimento cheese versus egg salad debate. And then we get into deep discussions about players like Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson. We talk some Phil Mickelson. We talk a little bit of Tony Finau. We talk a lot about the players who are going to be contending this week at Augusta National trying to win the 2021 Masters. So sit back and enjoy. And now our first three-person podcast here at the Forward Press. I'd like to welcome both Steve DiMeglio and Adam Shupak. It's Masters Preview Time. It's it's a podcast for the Forward Press unlike any other, gentlemen. And uh, thanks very much for coming aboard. Steve, Adam, um, you guys have obviously been to the Masters a bunch of times. You're going to be heading up there. Obviously, we're recording this before tournament week starts because it's going to be pretty damn uh, busy for you guys up there at Augusta National. What are your most, like, sort of, favorite things about this tournament i think a lot of people look forward to this one it's it's the first one it's sort of the rights of spring everybody's eager to get us started but for you two guys what are your favorite things about the masters well for me it's to see the joy of the players um i think on mondays i've never seen players as happy as i've ever seen them at any other tournament when they get to augusta you could roll off so many things seeing just seeing the 12th hole does something to you. Uh, the 13th does something to you. Um, walking into this massive media center, uh, the sandwiches, the chocolate milk, um, just walking the grounds and being in wonderment at how many people it takes to get it looking as good as it does, no matter how bad the weather was the day before. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And there's just so many different places you love to watch a golf shot hit uh, at that golf course. And so, you know, there are times when I can position myself and see incoming shots into one. Incoming shots into two is one of my favorite. You know, the long three were the long iron floating into the second hole. There's just something about that place, um, the familiarity, the beauty, the history, and just the fact that you know you're at Augusta National. And it does it for me every time. This will be my 15th, and I'll get jazzed up again walking under the grounds uh, next week. Shoop, what about you, pal? What What's your sort of favorite thing, if you will, about the Masters? 
Yeah, Demag, it's funny you mentioned the chocolate milk. It's the one time of the year, I think, that I drink chocolate milk, and I, I look forward to that. Uh, but for me, I think it's I think it's just being under the tree. I love all the people that we that you get to see. I love it's just one of the few times of the year that the whole industry kind of converges in one place. You get to see everybody. It's it's a bit of a family reunion. And you know, I've I've had friends from high school scream out my name. You know, under find me under the tree that didn't even know. You know, just were like, I knew you'd be there. And and uh, for whatever reason, because I'm the, their golf guy. Um, I just had some, some really special moments around that area and with the tree and just, just all the fun events in the evenings and stuff. It's, it's just a great week. Uh, there is a level of happiness there. It's like, it's like Disney world for adults. It's, it's, there's something special where everybody's in just this great mood being at Augusta national, um, that, that you rarely get in too many other venues. For me, guys, it's the bringing together of both the old stuff, the traditional things that obviously Augusta National has so many traditions, as well as more and more new things, it seems, every year. I don't know of a tournament that blends those things together quite as well as the Masters. And what I sort of started to think about with those things is that obviously we get, for example, on the Par 3 contest, you get past champions, other major dignitaries, people sort of involved in the golf a lot of times 70s, 80s years old, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll see Gary Player, we'll see other people year in and year out showing up who are, you know, from, from Masters Pass. And then you get the little kids carrying their dad's bags in the jumpsuits, which is adorable and makes for a great photo op. You get the champion's dinner every year. Um, you get the rookies who are, as you guys said, like bright-eyed as soon as they come through Magnolia Lane. Um, whether they know it or not, like they're breaking out their phones and they're doing the drive up and putting that up on social media when they get to their houses. And and the other thing that just dazzles me is every year, it's a golf course we all know so intimately and we'll talk about it, but the Masters app and the television broadcasts bring it to life in such a way that almost every year there's something new that I pick up about it, um, whether it's a new way that we can follow it at home or on your laptop or on your mobile device, or if there's a new wrinkle or something that that I wasn't aware of and I, I've been to 11 masters and so you get that intimacy with the golf course but there's always something that's new which for me is really kind of neat um Steve what's your favorite hole you mentioned a couple different places but when you show up at Augusta National every year what do you what is your favorite hole to to go and check out the golf on well it, it's the walk down 10 and then down 11 and you get to 12 um and if I'm pressed, I'd have to say the 12th hole is my favorite because I've made birdie there. Um, uh, I made birdie uh, in 2008, uh, seven iron to 10 feet. I don't know many other details other than that one, but um, it's the simplicity of the hole. It's the fact that you can find trouble with a wedge in your hand or a seven iron in your hand. And it's the one hole that the players are just befuddled every year, every time they step to that green, uh, step to that tee box. And it's beautiful. Um, I've been one of the fortunate people to be able to stand on that green away from where the patrons would be. And you can, and players have told you how peaceful it is back there and on the 13th tee. And it's a magical place back there, but I love the third, I love the 12th hole. Um, and one of my favorite holes is two. And it's because it's one of my favorite visuals to watch those guys hit the long irons or the short irons and for their third shot into number two because you can get behind the green on that hill looking down 
and you see this these beautiful flighted balls coming at the green, and then you see what happens there. So, but again, I could make a case for every hole there. So, but pressed, I'd go with number twelve. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty impressive spot. I had a ch- opportunity to to play the golf course, you know, as a media winner in the in that fam- sort of famous lottery, two thousand nine. Um, I pulled uh, my iron shot deep and left and scrambled for a bogey that I was proud of. And that I probably could have sold to a number of players that year and how Cabrera had, had won it. Um, yeah. Amen. Corner is a pretty special place. Shoop. What, what about you? Where's your favorite spot? Well, I'm not going to bother telling anyone about the great shots I hit there because I've never played the damn course. I'm uh-huh. in the media lottery, but that is, it is one of the really cool things that they're you know, there is a media lottery for the Monday after the Masters. And, uh, you know, maybe this will be my year. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I just got off the, off a, a similar one of these Zoom calls with, with Tom Watson. And we were talking about number 12. And, and he said, I was asking him about uh, how he made part of this one year in 1981 when he won his 40th anniversary of that victory. And, and I was kind of like, wow, you kind of gunned that first putt. It went eight feet by. That was really big. He goes, Adam. I was just glad the ball was dry. That's all I want is to be on land. And uh, I just think that's such an amazing hole that, you know, it's, it's, it's just so great that that hole, that short little hole throws so much fear into the best players in the world. So I, I really love that one. And then I've always had a thing for the 14th green. It just, that's one of those holes where the first time I went there, you know, TV does not do it justice, even in high def these days. Um, that green, I don't. I, I just feel like I'm gonna four putt it if I do ever get to play it. That that's just one of the. Uh, I, I, that's the, the hole where I tell people you got to go check it out. It, it's it's very underrated hole. Now you know you don't really think so much about 14 on the uh, with so many great holes on the back nine, but um, that's a hole I've always thought like I like to spend a little extra time there and watch guys putt. Steve, when you hit the lottery and you had an opportunity to play, you you find out if I'm not mistaking we you, you find out on saturday or sunday I, I i forget exactly how it goes what sort of flashed through your head was it like i'm gonna have to eat a plane ticket or a drive or like how where, was it the excitement what what sort of goes to your head when you find out when this is maybe one of the most challenging bucket list courses for you know people to to land on and uh how, how many phone calls how many texts did you end up getting about that one well i'm i'm not gonna make shoe picks day because uh I'll talk about the first time I won the lottery in 2008 and the second time I won the lottery in 2017. Um, for those of you who do not know, if you do win the lottery and you play the ter- the course the next day, you can't play it. You can't be in the lottery for seven years. So I didn't win the first year in 2007. I won in 2008. Um, I had taken, you know, I had planned ahead and I had a very late flight from Atlanta. So I had no problem changing any uh, itineraries. I do remember calling my father who used to stay up way late. I mean, he would go out on his computer. He'd be reading. He, 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 w- he was a night owl. So he would stay up till five or six. So I called him and I said, dad, I just want to make sure, is there any way you can call me at six o'clock in the morning on Monday to make sure I'm awake and I don't sleep through my tea time at Augusta national. So, um, yeah, I, I remember one time, I, I, the first time I went there, I asked the guard, how slow can I drive down Magnolia Lane? He said, young man, take as long as you want. And I think I just coasted. I don't think I put the pedal, touched the pedal at all and just let the, the car take me down the road. Um, and you just, 
you're finally you hit balls on the old range, hit the balls on the old range. Um, you just hope you don't embarrass yourself and you just take it in. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I've had a blast both times. Who's Shoop, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this one, Shoop. If because I, I have a good feeling, I, I've got good mojo for you this year. You got a new baby who just arrived. I, I, Augusta National people, that committee, they know everything. They read everything. They know you're a new dad. I have a feeling that some some good mojo is going to come your way on this one. I'm I'm pulling for you. Um, I I will tell you that I did the same thing, Steve. I I don't think I hit the accelerator. I know you're not supposed to have your phone with you when when you're driving. I I absolutely did. One of the things that I thought was really interesting for a regular Joe's like us who get the opportunity to play it, I found it to be probably the, one of the easiest driving courses that off the tee that I, maybe I've ever played. Now, obviously, the par threes, whole nother story. You have oceans of room, and a lot of people don't realize that there are really only two sets of tees at Augusta National. There are the master's tees, which are way back, which the members never touch, and then, then there's the member tees, and that's pretty much they'll move the tee markers, but that that's pretty much it. You can drive the ball all over the place and still have plays. Now, you may not have an iron shot coming in, and I remember – you know, you could darn your bounce a quarter off the greens. They were so firm. But that was the thing that just stuck with me is that off the tee, you might end up hitting 10 out of 14, 12 out of 14 fairways playing from the member tees. And in many cases, not have a shot coming in. Or if you do happen to get on the green, having no idea, even with these fantastic caddies, how the hell you're going to get the ball close or not putt it right off the green. One of the guys I was playing with putted right off the first green I think he ended up picking up and just, you know, walking to the second tee with his tail between his legs because it was going to be a five pot. It was unbelievable. But um, circling back a little bit to my other favorite subject besides golf being food, um, which would you guys rate higher, the pimento cheese or the egg salad? That's a tough one. I like the pimento cheese and you, and you stick a chicken sandwich in between them. That's the pro move. I've never never heard of such a thing, Steve. Oh, oh, there are so many different concoctions you can put together. Egg salad is my go-to with my chocolate milk. I know that doesn't sound good. It's the only time I ever do it. But I've taken the Masters Club and put the, the chicken sandwich in with the Masters Club, and it's one of the best sandwiches you've, I've ever had. Um, I it, and I I'm not. I'm not kidding here, but I didn't have a pimento cheese sandwich until here in November because I thought it was egg salad. And so I went and grabbed it and I thought I'd grabbed an egg salad. I took that first bite. I said, and I go, oh, and it's not that bad. It wasn't that bad, but it took me 14 years before I had my first pimento. <laughs> I'll tell you guys a funny story. So I think it was like 2007 or 2008. I was, I was at the Masters and I was working in a different publication. They had a new guy who was working with me. And I had gone um, to the clubhouse and I had lunch in the clubhouse, which is a media member was one of the really cool things that, that you could do. You, and I was sitting there and Fred Couples sat at the next table over and there were other players sort of milling around and, and you enjoy this really great lunch. And I went back to the media center, the old media center, which was an amphitheater and was really encouraging. The, the guy I was there with, I'm like, Charlie, at some point or another, before we get really into this, you've got to go to the clubhouse and make sure that you have lunch there. It's fantastic. So he gets his stuff and he goes over there. And I see him like an hour and a half later. And he's like, hey, Dave, that was awesome. It, the, the food was great. I, I took your advice. I had the peach cobbler. It was fantastic. 
and it was really good. And I and I mentioned I'm like, yeah, you know, and it's it's really not that expensive a deal. I think for lunch was like twelve bucks, and and there was like this silence. And he looks at me and he's like, we have to pay for that. And I just froze for a second. I'm like, Charlie, did you just dine and dash at Augusta National Golf Club? Did you just actually just run out on the check at Augusta National? And he, you're not allowed to run. I mean, you see the people when they lift up the barrier on the first fairway and people power walk their way out to Amen Corner. He power walked his ass right back to the clubhouse and was throwing money at everybody the entire way. Take everything. It was it was hysterical. All right. Let's talk about the tournament itself. Um, many, many different storylines coming in here. Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you. We just had a Masters back in November. Obviously, playing conditions were soft. Dustin Johnson goes out there and absolutely blitzes the place. He gets it to 20 under, places we have never seen. For players who may have played that Masters, and, and maybe that was one of their early Masters, maybe their first Masters, how much of that experience is actually going to be applicable to what we get this year? Because the word on the street is the golf course is already firm. The weather is warm. It looks like from the forecast sun, at least through the beginning of the week. So I would imagine they're going to get that thing rolling pretty quick. How much from what we learned in November is actually transferable to what we're going to get this week? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very different golf course. I think it still helps the Colin Morikawa's, the Victor Hovland's who who played it for the first time last year. Actually, I think Hovland had already played it um, as an amateur. Yeah, but uh, those before. guys, but like uh, Morikawa, um, it, it was his first time. I think I think there's still so, I think there's still value in that experience um, that I think will help this this go round and, and in the future. But I think it's I think it'll play very different. I do. I think fact that it'll be fast and fast and firm uh that the greens are going to be fa faster i do think that you know the fact that they're playing the anwa right before it maybe um they won't be as fast i think that was something that the players had mentioned in 2019 um but i i expect you know for the for the people who've been there who played it many times it it, it I, i'm all these all the greats say that you know you it takes time you got to learn that course it's not a it's not a, a track that you go a layout that you you win your first time you know fuzzy zeller is the last guy to win as a as a first timer and so um i, I always look for a more experienced player i mean look at how many years it took dustin johnson to finally get that green jacket steve would you agree with that do you do you think that that some experience is going to be good but we are going to see a pretty different venue this year Oh, we're definitely going to see a different venue. I can one of the first few things I saw in November was uh, Bryson DeChambeau hitting a long iron into 13 and the ball almost plugging on the green. And we only saw that if the rain was pouring down in previous Masters. As far as first timers, Sung J M, he just picked, picked the wrong time to play his first tournament. He tied for second last year, 15 under par. And earlier this year, he told me he's going to have to relearn the golf course um, because of how soft it was and how slow the greens were. He anticipated the greens to be much faster and firmer. There was no bounce in the greens. Players since November have told us they were able to, to throw basically whatever iron they have in their bag and, and hit shots to back pins at Augusta without fear of going over the greens. We had never heard that before. So if the weather holds and we're supposed to be getting into the eighties with nothing but sun Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday leading into the tournament, uh, that'll get it firm and that'll get it fast. And then it's just dependent on how fast and how firm the, uh, masters officials want to make it. But, um, so Sung JM says, yes, he's going to have to learn. So he's going to have to learn the bounces of the fairways 
because he said the fairways were so soft um, that he knows he can't take the same lines he took last year in November that he's going to take this year because there's going to be rollout. So, and one other thing, interesting thing that Justin Thomas said is a lot of the first timers last year got to play with no fans. This year, even with the limited capacity of fans, and hopefully I've been hearing 10,000 people per day at least, will make a difference. So when you're playing without the roars of the crowd, without the fear of doing something embarrassing in front of the crowds, that helped a lot of the first timers, he thinks, Justin Thomas thinks, to get through that first Masters. There was less pressure because there wasn't the roars ripping through the, the Georgia Pines. Even though with 10,000 people, there'll be a lot more noise this year, a lot more activity, a lot more buzz, a lot more electricity going through that, and that will have an impact this year. Steve, you did a really big package on Dustin Johnson that appears on GolfWeek.com. Congrats. It was really kind of, kind of cool stuff. Obviously, you got time with just about everybody, not just Dustin, but but within his inner circle. Does he have Augusta National figured out at this point? I mean, with Tiger Woods obviously winning in 2019, DJ was right there at the end. And if you take a look at his progress early on, like a lot of players do, we just talked about, he struggled. Um, the tournament means a lot to him. He's from the general area. But slowly but surely, like he was wont to do, he he got himself to the top of the leaderboard. Has he got it figured out at this point? Well, in his last two Masters, he's been beaten by one guy, um, Tiger Woods. You know. um, I think Phil Mickelson would tell you that he doesn't have it figured out, completely figured out. I think Tiger Woods would tell you he doesn't have it completely figured out. Nobody completely figures out. Ben Crenshaw has said it many times. You don't completely figure out Augusta National but you get to a level that you're far more comfortable than you were the day before or the year before and the year before that. I think the win in November did a boatload of a good for Dustin Johnson. Um, he did get over the hump. He got over that 54 hole lead hump and that was big for him. Um, he, uh, he knows he's much more comfortable at Augusta national than he ever has been, whether it's firm or whether it's soft. Um, so I, yeah, I, it's not a phrase I would use. Does he have it figured out? But let's say he has it more figured out now than he has ever had it figured out. And you always pick up little things here and there every year, every round that you play, every practice round that you play going forward that helps you. And I just think DJ, I, I know his track record, you know, his last three or four starts hasn't been great for him going into Augusta, but he's the Masters champion. He's only had that green jacket five months i think he wants it for 12 more months and he's he, he's going to be right there at the end i wonder if he gets to keep it for like bonus time you know because if you win obviously then you you get to keep the master's jacket for a year everybody else leaves it at the club i wonder if they're gonna say like okay you had it for five months great win um you get to keep it for a little while maybe give it to us at the end of the summer you know or give us to us next fall i don't know like if he doesn't win it feels like in some ways he's he's getting shortchanged, but I, I get it. Shoot, one of the other guys that we're going to be certainly following really close is going to be Bryson DeChambeau. Now, he has threatened to bring out the Kraken. Is he going to have this, like, you know, 48-inch driver, 46-inch driver? Obviously, regardless of however long the club is, he's the longest guy out there at this point. Yet at the same time, he's never had a top 20 finish at a Masters. Um, coming into last year, we thought, well, he just won at Wingfoot. He ends up at tied for 24th and not really being a factor we were almost like waiting for this thing to happen and and it never did what's your thinking about bryson coming into this masters 
Yeah, I think, you know, last year in November, he, he messed with the golf gods in 68. And, you know, he lost that ball on the third. And, uh, you know, he, he made the two from like a, a chip, you know, turn into a, a pitch and putt course at 13 and um, just pick his spots a little better. I, I think he's going to be a real factor this this year. I like the way he's been playing. Uh, didn't didn't close at the Players' Championship, but the way he played it, better part of the three rounds at, at Players' Championship. I think I think Augusta National does set up really well for Steve, him. Steve, would you agree, or do you think in some ways, even though Augusta National is fairly open and, you know, obviously there's no rough, there's a second cut, but there's nothing like we, we would have seen at, at Wingfoot, um, would you agree that that he can really let it loose? And, and what do you expect to see from Bryson? Well, he said earlier this year that he's hitting it longer. Then he hit, hit. Then he was hitting it in November. Um, it's going to be warmer, so the ball is going to fly even further. Um, so he's going to rack up some big, big numbers. Um, what did he learn from last year? He won't tell us, but he did say he did learn from what happened in November. I'm not sure he can hit the driver a lot more because the fairways are going to be firmer, and if he has any movement, any curvature on the drives, they could end up in the trees you know, or the second cut. But again, if anybody can overpower a golf course with a three wood or a long driving iron, Bryson DeChambeau could, um, and he will have shorter irons. Um, I know he, he's always talking about dialing in his, he's got to get his short irons dialed in, but I think I'd take Bryson DeChambeau with a nine iron or a wedge in his hand than other pros with an eight iron in their hand. Um, more often than not, I'd rather have, the shorter iron, I think everybody would. So I think he'll play much better. Um, well, it'll be interesting if he'll come out with some boastful talk like he did before last year, saying that he it was a different part for him. Um, I don't think that did him any favors, but um, I, I think he, he he's one of the favorites for a reason. Um, I, I expect him to play much better than he did. I'll be fascinated to see how Bryson DeChambeau is going to putt. I mean, we pay so much attention to the distance and with good reason. He's he's getting into heads of guys like Rory McIlroy and other players who are trying to do so much to increase speed and think about distance and think about all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, one of the things that I think has been underappreciated by a lot of people is that Bryson has become, you know, a, a better than average to pretty darn good putter. And, and that's something that he has taken a lot of work to, to build his stroke looks very mechanical and in some ways it looks very rigid and stiff, but at the same time, he's taking out so many moving parts and trying to not just read the greens and gauge the speed of them better, but he's also trying to put a better stroke on it. And we've seen him make a lot of big putts. He certainly made a lot at Wingfoot. He made plenty of really good putts when he won at Bay Hill. The driver gets a lot of the attention, but, but I wouldn't sleep on the putter and it's just a matter of, how comfortable will he be on those greens and how much can he apply the techniques that have worked at other places to the greens at Augusta National? If he can putt well with that distance, then yeah, I totally agree. He's he's going to be a factor in it. Guys, one of the players that has had so much success, obviously, at Augusta National is Phil Mickelson. Now, this year has not been certainly Phil's best. He's 50 years old. He'll be 51 in June. Um in some ways, I'm looking at this one as like maybe lefty's last stand. And maybe we've already had that because it's getting harder and harder to realistically think of this three-time Masters champion as somebody who is a viable contender, somebody who can really, you know, be a factor at this. Shoop, what do you think we should realistically try and expect from Phil Mickelson at this Masters? 
Well, I think if there's somewhere he's going to play well, it's probably going to be Augusta. But I, I agree with you. I don't like the way he's been playing the past few months. Um, I, I do expect that there will be a Fred Couples year for him. There will be a year where, where, where Phil's um, on the leader, you know, the 36-hole leader or the, you know, playing in the last group on Sunday in his, in, in the next, within the next five years. I think, I think you'll have that type of uh, uh, situation one of these years, 52, 53, something like that, but I'm not expecting much. If he makes the cut, I'd be, I'd be surprised actually the way he's been playing. Steve, what about you? There's just too many things wrong with his game right now. Um, And whether that drive down Magnolia lane can change it. I mean, if there's only one, there is only one place that could change it that quickly for Phil and that would be Magnolia lane. But, I mean, he's not chipping the ball very well. He's not putting the ball very well. He's certainly not driving the ball very well. And his short irons aren't, aren't – he's not hitting those very well either. He's got so many things going on. Um, he hasn't played well in a long, long time. Um, and I don't think you can turn it around at Augusta, though he, along with Tiger Woods, probably knows as much about Augusta National as anybody. Um uh, among the players and that could give him a little advantage, but I just think there's just too many things going on with him right now where um, he, he's just not Phil Mickelson right now. Shoot. What do you put into um, the fact that we've had this sort of resurgence, although Jordan Spieth hasn't won, he's certainly playing heck of a lot better and he wins his 2015 masters. He's another one of these guys, sort of like Mickelson, when he goes down Magnolia Lane, he obviously feels very, very comfortable. He's excited about playing the Masters. Um, he got outplayed in 2014 by Bubba Watson, um, who obviously was is now a two-time Masters champion himself. Do you think we're going to see a continuation of the Spieth comeback, and would you be surprised if he's in the mix come uh, come Sunday? Well, I figured at some point you're gonna ask me who the, who you're for my winner, and, and I think I'm taking Jordan Spieth. I really think I'm on the, the Spieth bandwagon right now. I, I like I like what he's doing, and I think at Augusta he can get away with some a few stray drives. I think he's you know we talked about already young players. He's the one young player who I fear what it takes. Um, he did it really from day. That's that's a play. That's his golf course, and right now he's got the irons back. He's putting pretty well. And uh, I don't know if he's going to win this week at Valero, but he's playing well again there. And I, I mean, I almost don't want him to win this week at Valero. I think his confidence is right where it needs to be. And I, I really, I'd almost be shocked, surprised. I'd be shocked if he's not in the hunt. I think he's got it figured out. And he's been, he's been, you know, almost like Tiger all about this week in April. This is, this is his opportunity to get back in the winner's circle. Uh, sort of along those lines, Steve, it's almost like, you, you don't want to win, winning two times in a row on the PGA tour is a tall ask winning two or three really big events on the schedule, especially early in the schedule. Although I guess technically we're about halfway through the schedule, the way that it sort of works and wraps around. Justin Thomas has a big emotional win at the players. That one meant a lot to him for a variety of reasons. One of my favorite pictures so far of the season is, is Justin Thomas sitting down and just has this very exhausted but very fulfilled look on his face. And um, that win, win meant a lot to him. He has not won a Masters. His game to me, Steve, looks like it is perfectly suited. He puts it great. He hits it miles. He's already won a major. He won a PGA championship. He's become a veteran out there. He's no longer this young kid. W give me a reason why Justin Thomas should not be considered one of the two or three people to beat this year at Augusta. 
Well, I, I consider him one of the two or three people to beat. Um, I put him up there with Bryson, with Dustin. And as Shoup said earlier, I'd be very surprised if Jordan Spieth isn't in the mix. I think John Rahm is going to be in the mix. I think Xander Shoffway is going to be in the mix. So there's an awful lot of guys. But the only reason that he might not be is his history isn't the greatest at Augusta, which is surprising since it rewards iron play, and he's one of the best iron players out in the game. Um, I think, you know, he, he's coming off of a poor week at the match play, the Dell Technologies match play championship, uh, where he didn't get out of pool play. He didn't play very well at all, but, uh, I think he's, he'll be rested. And I did a story on him a few years back. What did he learn the first two times he played Augusta? And he went into some detail about how much he learned that first year, how much he learned the second year. And he's talked about it here and there about you do pick up things, what you do. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with when do you be, when are you conservative? When are you aggressive? Um, and that's going into the greens and that's on the greens. So I'd be surprised if he's not in the mix either. Cause again, he's one of the best iron players. Um, he is a great driver of the golf ball. And I think he's knows that golf course as well as he's ever known it. Um, he just might be in that same situation that Dustin Johnson was, where you had to do one more thing to get over that hump to win at Augusta. And Justin is in that spot right now, and he just needs maybe one piece of luck here, one really outstanding round there to boost even his confidence even more. But, yeah, I'd be surprised if Justin Thomas isn't in the mix as well. I've talked about this with both of you guys, where I feel that talent at that that kind of talent can only be denied for so long. I mean, JT has got talent in spades. He's he's absolutely sensational. And um, if he doesn't win this year, I'll be a little bit surprised. I I would take it to the bank that he is going to win a Masters before he is done and is you know finished with professional contending in golf. He's he's got one. I, I think he's got more than one. Candidly, I, I think he's just too good. Um, I want to play a little game with you guys. I'm going to give you three players each, and then I want you to tell me who's going to end up higher up on the leaderboard, who's going to end up with a better score. Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, or Tony Finau? Who do you guys like out of that group? I like Tony Finau. Um, I think if somebody's been looking forward to the Masters as much as anybody else, it's Tony. Um, I know he hasn't been playing well as of late. His last two or three tournaments, he hasn't played well at all. But he, he can – out of that group, I, I, I would take Tony. He's just, I, I think he's sitting on a, a, a big one. Shoot. Yeah, I think I would take Tony as well. Um, I just think uh, – I, I still want to see him win somewhere. I think it's hard to just step up and win a major for, for that – you know, go Puerto Rico in 2016 to the Masters. But um, I, I like his uh, – Bubba, Bubba – the course is so – set up for Bubba. That's, that's a, a great venue for that Bubba's game is as sharp as it has been in other, other years. So um, for that reason, I'd take Tony in. I mean, Adam Scott kind of, I know he wants it badly. I just don't feel like right now his, he's, he just hasn't been on, up on enough leaderboards for me. I don't really trust the putting, but I also think he could, you know, that that's a, that's the golf course for him that he could win. He could certainly be a factor, I think. 
Adam Scott is, was the guy I was sitting next to my wife uh, watching a replay after getting home from when he won in 13. And she looks at me, she's like, he's one of the few guys that actually looks good in a green jacket. I'm like, yeah, okay, he probably looks great in, in just about whatever. But um, I'm going to actually take Adam Scott. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that um, and, until – and this isn't a knock against either of the guys. Bubba Watson, to me, can can be one way or the other. You know, Depending on what week we get – the level of inconsistency, I think his ceiling is really high and his floor is really low. So to, to, to know exactly what we're going to get, um, he played pretty well, I thought, at the match play. I was a little surprised that he got out of there and, and played some good golf. I think, though, shoot, exactly what you said, to go from Tony Finau having been so close so many times, so many top tens, to breaking through at the Masters would be an amazing story. And amazing stories happen at Augusta National. We, we've all been there. We've seen that it almost seems like it's too big an ask. And, and I think that Adam Scott's experience around those greens, understanding where he got to miss, where you can't miss it, um, and having success there, I, I kind of like Adam Scott in that group. One more time around the horn, Matthew Wolf, Colin Morikawa, or Victor Hovland? Who do you guys like out of that threesome? Victor. Um, I don't know where Matthew Wolf is. Um, he's been injured. Um, he's WD'd here and there. Um, I just don't think he's played enough golf. Colin Marcow, I just don't know if he's long long enough for Augusta. I think he catches up with him. Uh, and his, and I know he's putting as well as he's putted in a long, long time, but, I mean, he's a streaky putter. Um, and, you know, his problems in the past have been with putting, and you don't want to have past problems with putting going into Augusta. Victor has been uh, a very solid player. Um, he was going good guns. He, hasn't, he didn't play very well at the match play either. I think that it has to do more with format and form. But um, I, out of those three, I would take Victor. Shoot. Yeah, I, I, Morikawa, uh, I love his iron play. I just love that. I love his whole game. I, I do feel like he's a bit of a streaky putter. I'm not convinced yet that – the putting change style, the, the grip change that he made um, will will be this long-term solution. It worked great at the uh, WGC earlier at, at Bradenton, but um, still need to see if he can how he can putt on those greens. And I think he got he did get a little taste of what that's like last year. Um, I think I think it's probably going to take him a little while to be a real factor. But you know, we thought it might take him a little while, and he won in his he won in his very second major championship at the PGA last year. So he's a, he's a fast learner. Oh, they're, they're all fast learners. I mean, these guys are just, just unbelievable to think that, that they haven't as a group been on the PGA tour yet for two years and they're already where they are. Um, that, that putter from Morikawa frightens the heck out of me. And I think that he's the one player when I was thinking, asking you guys before about the November masters versus now in April, when it's going to be firm and fast, that's where I think, it really comes out is putting on those greens. And, and I know that they've got the sub air. I know that they could, if that golf course was as soft as it was in November, I think it could be jarring, you know, to, to for a player like Morikawa to see those greens roll that way. And we've heard it under normal circumstances, April to April, where guys will be like, Oh, the, the golf course during the practice round is nothing like what we're going to see come Thursday and come Friday, that they're just going to flip the switch and they're going to be able to get things rolling much, much faster. 
I think it could be jarring for a player like Morikawa, who has only seen Augusta National in those soft kind of conditions, to end up seeing greens that are rolling 12, 13, with that much undulation. I think his iron game is going to put him in position a lot for great looks at birdies and for real opportunities for him to score. That part is is as elite as it gets right now. But then he's got to make the putt. And to me, I want to see him make some of those putts when it really, really matters. And we haven't seen that yet, which doesn't seem he can do it, but I'm not going to be buying that. Um, Shoop, you already gave us your pick. It sounds like that you you really like Jordan Spieth. Um, anybody else that you think is going to be sort of the top guy? Because you, you sort of stole your own thunder there, pal. Well, I, I think – I'm, John Rahm, I, I was mentioned all earlier, and I, I do think that, you know, I don't know whether he's going to play the whole tournament is probably the biggest reason I'm not, you know, wouldn't bet on him because his, his wife's due any any day. And uh, I think that actually could, but I think three names that we haven't mentioned that I that I like think could be a factor. Patrick Cantley, love his game. Uh, Daniel Berger, I don't know if you can call a guy that highly ranked a sleeper, but you know he, he didn't get to play in, in the November Masters. He's playing some of the best golf in the world. And uh, Terrell Hatton's got the iron game to be a real factor. I think it would be interesting to see like him and, and John Rahm in, in, a, in a final pair, pairing and, and see which one of them implodes and which one of them uh, can, can keep their composure. Cool. Uh, Steve, picks? Well, out of the favorites, I would take, I would take Justin. Dustin Johnson, um, I just think he, he's got so much firepower. And I, I, I go back to what at, what Austin Johnson told me um, about how Dustin is, is playing that golf course now. There were two times in the final round last year when he could have gone, easily could have gone for the green on 13 and 15. Um, and in both instances, he laid up. And in both instances, he wedged it onto the green and made birdie. Um, he's learned to tile back his aggression. So I like DJ. Um, I don't know. I, I might be going on a limb here, but Lee Westwood has played very well there in the past. And Lee Westwood, I think, has gotten some rest, much needed rest, um, after almost winning at Arnie's, after almost winning the Players' Championship. He honored his commitment to the Honda. Um, and then, you know, he, he gets beat by an ace by Sergio Garcia at the match play. So now he's rested. He's had that week of rest. Um, and he knows how to play that golf course. Uh, and he's been much better putter than he has been in many years. Still one of the best iron players and a great driver of the golf ball. So that'd be one of my long shots, Lee Westwood. Um, but I, I, I again, I, I like DJ. So, yeah, there's, 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 there's no reason not to take Dustin Johnson. I totally get it. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Um, as, as challenging as it is to win the Players' Championship and the Masters in the same year, um, I think that that win meant a heck of a lot to him. I, I think in some ways he probably, whether he wants to admit it or not, felt a burden coming off of his shoulders um, with that win. And I, I just think it meant a bunch. I think that he will be freed up. And I love him on that golf course. I love the way he drives the ball. I, I think he is an excellent putter. I think he's got every shot in the book. And if he can sort of mentally feel refreshed in some ways because he didn't make it out of group play at the uh, WGC Dell Technology match play, I think that was maybe a good thing for him. I think it could be a motivating thing for him. I think it's challenging um, to play that much golf 
seven rounds, potentially six rounds, seven rounds over the course of five days is a lot of golf. Um, I think it was good for Jordan Spieth to, to advance out of there for Covenants and then get out and not have to put that much in there because he's playing obviously at the Valero Texas open, um, honoring his commitments and being a good Texas guy. Um, I, I just love JT in this. As far as long shots for me, Xander Shoffley is not a long shot. I mean, this this is a guy who's ranked number six, but he hasn't won a major. I love Xander Shoffley's all-around game. Will Zalatoris, if you're looking for somebody who's way off the mark in terms of not maybe a household name for people yet, he's going to be. Um, he absolutely stripes it. Uh, this is going to be his first time coming through. I will be fascinated to see exactly what we get from him. I, I think he is a star in the making and someone that people should really pay attention to. He's he's really, really good. Um, guys, I appreciate you giving us some time. Looking forward to seeing everything you guys are going to have out there on golfweek.com. I will be with you in spirit. How much uh, How much you guys clearing room on the credit cards for the uh, for the merch? You guys bringing an extra bag? Or you're you're going to be driving. you got lots of room for merch. I've got enough merch in my apartment. I'm I'm good. I was saying. Uh, is there going to be a, a onesie? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're going to be bringing home the onesie. Uh, but I was saying to Demeglio, it felt like I feel like I was just there in November. I, I barely worn my hat, so I'm not sure I need quite as much as I typically do. So I'll be, I'm gonna get something from from my boy Gabe, who's doing our doing things on the back end here for us on the podcast and uh, taking orders. <laughs> let me know. Let me know what orders, you need. Yeah. Excellent. Listen, guys, travel safe. Be well. We'll look forward to reading yourself on golfweek.com. Thanks a lot. You got it. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.